Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Good morning. My name is Jordan, and I'm so glad you could join us for online church experience today. Um, the title of our study today is called Losing Jesus. So before we get into it, let's pray together. Father God, I just thank you uh, for bringing us together on this format. Um, I thank you, God, for continually blessing us and helping us, Lord Jesus. I just pray, Lord God, that you would um, speak to hearts and minds this morning, um, that you would just encourage us, Lord, bless us, Lord God, and challenge us at the same time, Lord God, that we would be able to hear your word and receive it, Lord. Um, I just pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that you would bless them today, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. Or if you've got a digital Bible or on your phone, whatever else, um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. Um, so uh, starting at verse 40. So I'll give you a second to turn there. And then I'm going to start reading at 40. Okay. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, the answer to Mary and Joseph's problem in this moment and the answers to our problems um, begin with the search for Jesus. Now, church, I don't think it's any coincidence today or any happenstance that we um, are studying this specific passage today. Um, what stood out to me first um, with Joseph and Mary's life right now is that, um, as I was studying this, it's business as usual for them right now. It's been years since Simeon prophesied over baby Jesus, or they've had the angel come and tell about Jesus. Um, and we find this baby, or that we find this family in a season of normal routine. Like it's been years since that stuff happened long ago. Um, Jesus is now 12. Um, he's, he's growing in wisdom. He's growing in stature. Um, and it's evident that God's favor is upon him. So we see them go to Jerusalem like normal, like they always do, what they do every year. But just in a matter of moments, they're thrown into a frenzy. They're distressed and they're worried. And Jesus is nowhere to be found. They cannot find him. And before we get too judgmental um, with these two parents, you're like, I'd never lose my kid like that. Not for three days. You know, well, we have to understand something about this community is that the, the whole community of um, Israelites, Jews that would go to Passover, they usually travel together. So families would go together. Together with relatives, um, acquaintances, friends, or people from that community would travel in big groups together, right? Um, so 
we have to remember um, that they were going for Passover, right? And Passover was this ancient um, uh, uh, holiday that God told his people to remember and to um, celebrate. And it's, it has its origins all the way back in Exodus, if you remember, where God said he was going to take the life of every firstborn son in Egypt. And the only way that God would pass over your household is if you sacrifice a lamb um, and you put its blood on the doorpost, right? And so God would see that and pass over you. Um, and so even then, it's always been that blood atones sin. It takes innocent blood to atone for the sins of people, right? And so thus pointing to Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. He is the ultimate Passover lamb because on the cross, he took away the sins of the world if we would just believe in him and trust in him. So um, we see at this moment that we have to realize Jesus could have been traveling with um, uh, some other family members or some other friends or whatever else. So it was no big deal. Um, but we have to realize instead of Jesus traveling with them, he stayed behind in the temple and this is so important because even at 12 years old, Jesus knew who he was. He knew God's word because he was the living embodiment of the scriptures. Literally, God, the word made flesh. And so he's just listening to these rabbis or teachers talk. And he's engaging in conversation that is not normal for a 12-year-old, right? Um, people around him that are listening to him and hearing him are like, who is this kid? Like, how, is this kid 12? You know what I mean? Like, is this really a little kid? And, and so needless to say, Mary and Joseph know Jesus is special, okay? This isn't anything new to them. They know he is the Messiah. They're fully aware of this. So you can kind of imagine maybe of the distress uh, they fell into because they not only lost their son, but they lost the hope of the world, right? And so you can imagine they're probably really, 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 really nervous and really um, pained by this. And so it's what's relevant today of what they've experienced um, that can be made practical in our lives is that in just a blink of an eye, our world can go from ordinary and normal routine and peaceful to complete chaos in just a second, right? Um, it's kind of comical sometimes, maybe not while you're in the moment, but maybe afterwards that, you know, we, we can be so sure of our relationship with God um, until we have to face a new trial, until something comes that changes that and challenges that. And, and I don't know about you, but I have days where I am like on cloud nine and I am so happy, everything's going right. And then like the very next day, uh, it's like my world is flipped upside down and I'm like super depressed and it's like the joy is being sucked out of me and it's because of something that happened to me or something someone said to me or or I said to someone else or I hurt someone's feelings or, and so I can go from this day that the, everything's great and then turn around and then everything just seems terrible and like the world's falling apart. And I wonder if we ever have those moments. Um, and maybe you're experiencing that right now. Um, I mean, maybe, I mean, one minute everything was great. And then the next minute, what, schools were closed. And now you are not only learning to work from home due to a quarantine, but now you are a built-in uh, homeschool teacher. And now you have to worry about, um, do I have enough toilet paper and canned goods to last minute? You know what I mean? Like all these weird things that you didn't foresee coming in. That's usually how it works. 
You know, we, we don't get to control when problems come, when they arise in our lives, and when our faith and patience are going to be tested. We don't always get to control that. Um, yet our first step and continued step in these situations to be to search for Jesus, to seek out Jesus, to put yourself in a place instead of you feeling all crazy and chaotic, that it's, God, I need you. Lord, I need your peace. I need your presence. I need your power. Um, and just seeking Jesus out. But I wonder what what promise do we have from God that he's going to be there? That if we seek him, that he's going to hear us. If we search for him, he's going to listen to us. Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, in Psalm chapter 9, starting at verse 9, it says, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. So are you feeling oppressed or you're feeling troubled or you're stressed out? Well, guess what? That's okay. That's good because all the more reason to let God cover you in all areas of your life, whatever it is, if it's financial or spiritual or emotional or um, relational with your spouse or with friends or um, things you're dealing with um, parentally, dealing with your kids right now or kids dealing with your parents right now, whatever problems or worries you find yourself into, well, you can always run to God and seek Him. Seek Him to help you, to bless you, to get you through that. And when you do that, He promises to never leave you or abandon you. I mean, He promises to be close. He promises to be there right beside you. Um, and so instead of Him leaving, He becomes more evident in your life. Um, and so like how you react to certain situations or how you deal with new stresses or or how you talk to your family and friends, like it begins to change. Um, and so I wonder, can we be a people that even though we are dealing with problems and new stresses that we couldn't foresee, we can represent godliness to a broken world around us or in our own home, that we can be that stable foundation in our home and let our kids see it or our spouse see it or roommates see it or whatever else that, you know what, God is in control and I'm not going to let this situation control my faith. Can we be a, a people that's so secure in Jesus that because we continually seek him that others ask us, how are you okay? Like, why are you so secure? Why are you still uh, joyful? What is going on? And we can boldly and confidently uh, just answer back because I have a refuge. I have a stronghold that never leaves me. Like, I've got a God that, that sticks with me, that helps me through situations, no matter when, when things are going on, whether they're good or bad, especially when they're crazy. Um, and we can say, you know what? You can have that too. You can have that peace. You can have that blessing. You can have that assurance if you would trust Jesus just like I'm doing because he promises to be there for you. If you just put your faith in him, he is going to take care of you. Because we see um, this constantly, this this uh, just situation where when believers go through like the worst situations, um, and they're used as tools to further spread the gospel and show the reality of faith in action. I mean, we look at the early church in Acts where they're in Jerusalem and they're being persecuted. These these people are being killed um, because they believe in Jesus. They're confessing Jesus as their Lord. And so because of this, they start going out uh, among different nations and different areas. And because of that, because of that intense persecution, they spread Christianity all over the world. I mean, we are Christians today because God pushed them out to spread the gospel. They fulfilled the Great Commission, even though it was terrible. We look at the situation now with the quarantine and so many churches across the world are not able to meet physically in one location. And so what? 
They're doing like we're doing, going online. And who knows how far all these videos are spreading, all these sermons and messages and Bible studies and worship songs, because the whole world is getting access to hear the glory of God, to hear Jesus preached among all nations because of this. So we can always trust in Jesus that if we continue to put our trust in him and seek him, that though what looks like a tragedy, he can always turn into a blessing. He can always bring good out of a bad situation. So turn with me to the next few verses where um, Joseph and Mary find Jesus in the temple. Um, Verse 48, same chapter, Luke 2. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. You know, we can sometimes struggle like they did in recognizing Jesus. Now, honestly, at first glance, um, without previous knowledge of, of who Jesus is or hindsight bias that we have, you can look at his response and almost think that was disrespectful or disobedient in some kind of way. Can you imagine for a second, put yourself in these shoes, that you're 12 years old and you have just dipped out on your parents for three days. They don't know where you're at. And then on the third day, when they finally find you, that you tell them like, you didn't, you didn't know I was going to be here. Like, it's almost in that moment you can imagine yourself saying, uh, duh, you knew where I was going to be. Um, but that's just at first glance, right? So you can see this and see Jesus' response and maybe even think uh, you're struggling. With, like, did he just break a commandment? Like, did he just disrespect his mother and father to their face right there in the temple? Like, are you kidding me? And Because I know if I was in his shoes and I end up um, doing what he did and said what he said to my parents that, I probably would have been whooped. Like, I would not have been able to sit down for a while after uh, saying that to my parents, right? But, so we have to ask the real question, like, did Jesus just sin? Did he just break a commandment? Well, of course not. We know that, uh, I mean, scripture tells us, and, and, and Jesus, for him to be the perfect sacrifice for us, he had to live a life without sin. So that wasn't the case. He wasn't sinning. He wasn't disrespecting his parents at all. Um, we have to realize that Jesus is on a completely different level than we are and where we were at at 12 years old, right? He's the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And so Joseph and Mary have spent years now raising Jesus, and it could have been easy for them just to see Jesus as their son, right? Yet Jesus, he's God in the flesh, and he came down from heaven, and Joseph and Mary are just supposed to steward him and raise him up. So Jesus knows at an early age that, yes, he is to obey his parents, but he is God's son first. And so he is exactly where God wants him, and that is in the temple. You know, you see he's Jesus is in the temple and he's already challenging the teachers and the leaders and he's answering questions from scripture and asking questions from scripture that only God could do, right? He is in God's perfect will in this moment and throughout the rest of his life. He always walked in God's will, God's perfect will. He never stepped outside of it. He was always where God wanted him, when God wanted him to be there. So now knowing all this, we can see how it was easy and truthful and not disrespectful him to say to his parents, didn't you know I must be in my father's house? Like, hey guys, um, I love you, but don't you remember who I am? 
Don't you remember that God sent me here for this purpose? I'm the Messiah. I am the hope of the world. I'm going to take the sins of the world upon myself. And so we can, I mean, honestly fall into the same predicament in our own lives. And it can be easy to do, um, especially after being a Christian for so long, that it's almost like we get comfortable in knowing Jesus. You know, we can proclaim that that Jesus is our Savior and our King and we love Him, but, you know, maybe a lot of times our actions, um, our words, how we live our life is not really reflecting that. Um, I mean, it can be easy for us sometimes to forget where Jesus brought us out of, uh, to, to, to remember of what He has called us to do. And honestly, sometimes we just say Jesus and it's normal and we forget the power in that name. We forget that it is the name above every other name. So maybe because sometimes we get too comfy in our walk with God and in our Christianity that God allows a little craziness in our life just to remind us of who he is and what he has called us to do. For Mary and Joseph, um, it took them losing Jesus to remember and recognize his authority and his purpose of why he was there, why he was put um, under their stewardship. And I believe that you know, we even take some of our privileges as the body of Christ for granted um, because we can easily lose focus um, when things get too easy on our faith journey, maybe. Um, for example, I've noticed for myself personally that I've really missed us meeting together as a, as a family and worshiping together and singing God praise together and, and seeing each other face to face and you know and and and, and uh, whether it's at church or at men's events or whatever else like we don't get to have that and maybe I took that for granted a little bit that we get to meet freely that that we get to worship together and so for me I think something I've realized that that God allowed this to happen just to show me like don't take that for granted um, appreciate the fact that we can worship together. Um, and, and maybe even, you know, we get relaxed in sharing the gospel um, until something crazy happens. And we realize how short life really is um, and how quickly our routine can just be flipped on its head and everything can change in a blink of an eye, right? So let's start seeing Jesus for who he really is and remembering our purpose as the church. We're to preach the gospel and to make disciples of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do as the church. Um, let's be intentional in our faith and, and walk in our purposes that God has given us. And if you're wondering like, well, I, I understand that, but what's my purpose? Where's my role in doing that? How am I supposed to preach the gospel and make disciples? Well, I wanna encourage you that you can always go back to seeking God and asking him, Lord, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do it? Um, who am I supposed to talk to? What what purposes do you have for me? And, and as you begin to seek God, let God reveal these talents and skills and abilities that he has given you to bring him glory. Um, because God gives us abilities and resources to make him known throughout the world so that others can see that Jesus is not just a guy in a book, right? He's not just this superstitious idea, but he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords and he is coming back for a church that is serious about their walk with him, that are serious in the purpose and task that he has given them to do. So I want to encourage you not to be lukewarm in your faith. This is not what Jesus wants. Um, in Revelation 3, Jesus says to be hot or cold in our devotion to him. Because if we are half-hearted or lukewarm, 
in our devotion to Christ and the task that he has given us that he says he's going to spit you out. Like you are all in or you are all out. There is no in between where Jesus is concerned. There is no you follow him half the time and the other time you decide not to. Like you follow him or you don't. There is no in between at all. And so the magnitude of your faith in Jesus can be easily revealed by how you live your life. Like you, if you say that you have faith in Jesus, well, guess what? Your life is going to reflect that. Your actions will reflect that. The way you parent, the way you um, treat your spouse, treat other people, it is going to reflect that. So let's finish up with these last few verses. Um, verse 51 now. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now, to model Jesus, we must learn to submit like Jesus. I love that the Bible says that it wasn't until Jesus was submissive to his parents that then Mary treasured all these things in our heart. Yes, she was told by an angel, um, you know, Simeon prophesied over her. She, you know, had the shepherds that came and, and all these wonderful things. And even Jesus now has personally revealed to her of what his purpose is, of who he is, and letting her know and reminding her. But Yet we see he goes home and he obeys his parents. And he doesn't lord himself over his parents from then on. He doesn't just say that, oh, you know what? Uh, I'm the king of kings and lord of lords. Like, you listen to me. Instead, he submitted and he obeyed the authority that was above him, that God placed above him in that situation. And he was supposed to obey his parents and respect his parents. And so he did it. Because can you imagine if... Mary goes and tells Jesus, like, hey, um, go do the dishes or something, right? And he looks at her like, um, I'm God. God doesn't do dishes. You do God's dishes, right? And that sounds so ridiculous, right? Because Jesus did not live that way. He obeyed his parents. He listened to them. He respected them, and he served them. And so through his obedience, the reality of who he is is truly made known to Mary. And for us, I mean, words are great, um, but they're not enough. If you say you love your parents, but then you deliberately disobey them, you're not really proving that you love them. You're not really proving that you honor them. And it's the same with God. You can say you love God, but you are if you're not obeying Him, if you're deliberately disobeying Him, then you're not showing that you actually love and serve God. Now, you know, you can tell people that you love Jesus, um, but yet you know you're living the life of a hypocrite. Like, I mean... Uh, it's one thing to sin, you know, and, and, and struggle in areas and ask for forgiveness, but to repent literally means to ask for forgiveness and turn away. Like, don't do it anymore. So if you find yourself that the Holy Spirit is convicting you on something in your life and you just continue to do it, continue to do it, continue to do it, you are not submitting to God's authority. You are not really living out the gospel because you are not doing what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. So, if, if Jesus submitted to God and to his parents, that we must understand that we are supposed to do the same. If we want to have a real relationship with God, then it requires work and sacrifice on our part. It isn't always easy to live out the gospel and to follow Jesus. Like it's a narrow path. It's not easy and, and not everyone uh, honestly is going to be faithful enough to do it. So, um, 
if we, if when we sacrifice that's, and when we deal with that stuff, that's when it's real. Like when your supervisor, um, you know, you're, you're treated like dirt by them or from your superior or whatever else that then, um, you know, you have to do the lowly task that he or she asks you to do, but yet you still do it and you're still kind to it. Like we have to recognize that it was through Jesus's submission and obedience that he grew in favor with not just God, but with the people around him. Like, Yes, we submit to God, but we also submit to the authorities above us. And, you know, it's interesting um, uh, in John chapter 1 that when, you know, the disciples were coming, you know, and, and being decided that, that Philip ended up going to Nathaniel, um, and they both end up being disciples of Jesus. And Philip said, hey, Nathaniel, like we found the Messiah, and he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, Read it, John chapter 1. And so we have to realize that Nazareth is, is this place known where people aren't necessarily good, right? Like you're not going to go to Nazareth and look for the high priest, right? You're not going to look for this holy, perfect person. And and yet in this place full of like stereotypical rough individuals and, and bad individuals, you see Jesus walking in favor with these people. So why is this important to us? Because if you are walking in the power of God and submitting to the call that he has on your life, then even the roughest and and meanest and most unruly people will give you favor. You know, we can walk and live in such a way that even those that are the hardest to deal with or get along with will give you favor because you are walking in the love of Jesus. Like, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this happens in, in a second, right? It isn't just like, you know, you submit one time and then the uh, to these super awful bosses that you have or people and, and then the next minute, the next day, they're like, oh, you're great. You're a great guy. We see Jesus like he spent years in Nazareth and he was still obedient and people probably didn't treat him right all the time. And yet he still loved them and blessed them, you know, and, and, and served them, was obedient and gained in favor with these people. And so we have to realize that, um, you know, the, the people around you that whether they, you know, act like you or have the same belief systems as you, um, whatever, that you can still love them. You can still help them. You can still serve them. You can still protect them because people need to hear the gospel. They need to hear that Jesus is their Lord, but they also need to see it lived out in front of them to know what that looks like. So if you're telling someone that, you know, Jesus uh, is your Savior and he saved me and, and, you know, you can trust in him and he always provides. But yet when crisis happen or something that crazy happens and you're acting just like them, you act like you don't have faith and you're worrying about how you're going to eat and you're stressing out or or whatever else that you're killing your witness you are not showing that you truly have faith in God um, because people need to see that what you say is truly how you live it out, right? If you say Jesus is your Lord, then act like Jesus is your Lord. So, you know, can we let Jesus shine through our humility and eagerness to serve? Um, or will we put ourselves on a pedestal? Like, don't let pride um, seep into your heart and your life. And, and you come to these moments where you think, you know, I've worked too hard and I've worked too long to take a step back now. Like, do they know who I am? Like, do they know how much work I've put into this? And so in those situations where it seems like you are being overlooked or where the person that gets the demeaning task or sometimes even it looks like we're taking a demotion, like, I want to encourage you just let's humble ourselves before God and let him get the glory. 
Let God use you as you submit to whatever situation um, that he's putting you in. Like God can use you through that. God can use that humility in your life to give him glory. And so if Jesus, who is above everything else, a name above every name, that he is perfect, even stooped down to live a life of obedience, then shouldn't our model be to living in humility as well? Shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we try to live like our Lord did, right? And so instead, let's walk in obedience and let God be the one to elevate us and bless us. Let God bring that to us. Let's not try to do it in ourselves. And so when others see your relationship with Jesus, they will become convicted and see the reality of Jesus in your life. Um, So to wrap everything up, let's continue to um, search for Jesus in the good and bad times. When things are going crazy, let's search and seek him out. When things are going um, 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 great, let's continue to seek him out. Let's not get comfortable in our walk with God and let's learn to recognize him for who he really is. Not who we think he should be or what he should allow, but who he is. That he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we can trust that he is going to provide for us and take care of us, even when it doesn't look like it in our situation or what we are experiencing. And that as we do this, we, we can learn to submit to him, uh, to God and do what he has called us to do. And maybe you find yourself in a situation right now or in a place where um, you're not where you should be, right? Maybe um, you've never accepted Jesus into your life and, and you don't have this assurance. Well, you know, you can make that decision today or even if you have, but you find yourself in a place where, you know what, you you have not repented from that sin, that you're being convicted and you realize now that you've been killing your witness and you are not really obeying God. Well, guess what? As long as you have breath, you can ask Jesus for forgiveness. You can start new. You can, you know, trust him to be your savior. You can trust him to redirect your life, to to help you out, to um, let you live this out, right? To really trust in him. So I want to encourage you that you can always do that. You can always trust in God and that through that, that God will get the glory. You can represent Jesus well to everyone around you, to every situation in your home and outside of your home. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.